Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Come on, we're going to get into the Word today, going to continue our series uh, in our Discover Life Change series, and um, I have a problem with this. Okay, so you're going to have to help me with my slides today, Joel, okay, because we have two different pro presenters going on, but anyways, normally I run my slides from my phone, but today these guys are going to help me preach. Let's give our media team and our sound team a hand. They did a lot of working with a lot of different noises and a lot of different demons in these mics, and so uh, I appreciate your patience with that. Um, I thought Bassy, I thought, uh, come on, right? Amen. Well, come on, we're going to get into the Word today, and um, we're going to continue our Discover Life Change. It'll be our fifth week, and we're going to just kind of go on a journey today uh, that I believe is really, really important. In my personal opinion, one of the most important things you can uh, experience in your walk with God. Uh, Muhammad Ali, I might tell this joke wrong, but forgive me. Uh, I just need you today to, to buckle up because today we're just going to be talking about some stuff that I know will probably uh, touch every person in this room. Everyone in this room has probably experienced this or dealt with this on, on some level. Uh, but, uh, you know, Muhammad Ali was flying on a plane and, and uh, the, the stewardess uh, came up to him and said, uh, sir, you need to put on your seatbelt. And he says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. Like that. And so she says, no, sir, you need to put on your seatbelt. I'm Muhammad Ali. I'm Superman. Superman don't need no seatbelt. And she says, well, sir, Superman, uh, Superman doesn't need a plane either. So put on your stinking seatbelt. <laughs> so I'd encourage you today to put on your seatbelt a little bit, buckle in, uh, because we're just going to be talking about something that I, I believe is one of the most important things that we can talk about. And if you see of our, our values on the wall there, we put all of our values there. We have about 10 values at our church. And one of them uh, deals with the area of forgiveness. And we talked last week about uh, Andrew, Brittany, stand up. Sorry, Brittany, I got you, girl. Don't, it's okay. You just don't have to say anything. You just have to stand up. Hold that for me, Steph. Come on. Come on, last week, real quickly, I just want to remind you of this, what we talked about last week. Jesse and Andrew did a great job. Uh, Steph, and you can stand in the back. Uh, Brittany, stand in the front. Kind of side, little cascade here so they can see you. There you go. Okay. So what we have here is our spiritual order, the way God designed us. When you were born, you were all born with the Spirit, every person on the planet. But when you encountered a relationship with Jesus, He made your spirit new. So your spirit was transformed. But your soul is your carnal man, your human nature, your natural self, the part of you, your mind, your will, and emotions, the part of you that, that often controls our lives, the, the emotions, the will, the difficulties we face. Our spirit has been renewed and transformed by God. And so what we learned about last week, be led by the Christ. We need to be led by the spirit, surrender our lives to God, be led by the spirit, and our spirit person, our spirit man or woman, will then give direction to our soul, to our mind, will, and emotions. And when our mind, will, and emotions are submitted to our spirit person, the Holy Spirit, then it comes out of our body. Whatever's happening on the inside of your life will be expressed on the external through your body. And so what we learned about last week is that many of us, Andrew, step in the front, buddy, and then Brittany, come on back. Many of us as followers of God lead our lives from our soul. We lead our lives from our emotions. We lead our lives from our minds. We lead our lives from our own uh, will, our own desires. And the spirit man is put in the back seat, and we need to get that spiritual order in the correct way in order for you to experience everything God wants for you. That spirit was sneaky. Oh, oh the soul was sneaky. That's, uh, you're a carnal man. Sit down. <laughs> 
Come on, but that's kind of what we talked about last week. And that's one uh, thing that I want to kind of talk about today is one of the ways that you can get your spirit man in front of your soul is to talk about this very challenging and difficult area that I have dealt with my entire life, as I'm sure you have too. I could take an entire month probably two months and do an entire series on this one topic. I cannot cover all of the details of this series or this topic today, but what I can do is try to give you some life-giving thoughts that will, will help you, will help really help you in your walk with God, in my personal personal opinion, when because we get a chance to hang out with a lot of folks, this topic is the number one way in which people are experience a barrier in their journey with God is the area of forgiveness and bitterness. And getting ourselves in that right spiritual order is really, really important so that we can begin to live our inside out, can be an inside out of healthy uh, reality, an inside out where we're experiencing joy and peace, an inside out where we aren't uh, bitter and angry and resentful and upset and feel like, like, like the world owes us something or God owes us something or people owe us something. We are free. We have discovered life change and we experience freedom in our lives. Amen? We experience tremendous, overwhelming freedom in 2020 when you and I can get ourselves in the right spiritual order. And often what we do is when we live from our soul and we have areas of unforgiveness, and I know this from personal experience, we then get into a destructive behavior. We then get into, oh, he's going to take my phone. Normally I would tackle you, but I think it's okay today. It's destructive behaviors in our lives where it's drinking or excessive smoking or overeating or drugs or pornography or self-harm or sabotaging relationships or sabotaging your marriages. We begin to live in a life where we begin to sabotage ourselves and our life by all of these areas of our lives because we are dealing with this barrier that we cannot break through because 20 years ago someone hurt us or a pastor hurt us or my dad hurt me or my mom abandoned me or all the different things that we experienced, which are all real and, and feel real and hurt badly and not to say those things aren't the reality. They are a reality, but those things often keep us from experiencing what God has and many times it's not a human. Sometimes we have an issue with God. Job in the Bible lost everything. He lost his business. He lost his money. He lost all of his children and his wife turned to him and said, why are you still following God? Curse God and die. Like, God is the reason that we're experiencing all this trouble. Point your finger at God. Maybe you're here today, and you say, man, the issue isn't with people. I got an issue with God. I got an issue with the deck of hands that I've received. I got an issue with this sickness I've experienced. I've got an issue with this thing. I got an issue with God. And listen, if you're here today, listen, I've had lots of issues with God. I've had moments in my life where I've doubted his existence. I've had moments of my life where I wouldn't even read the Bible because I knew he'd speak to me. So I said, you know what? I want nothing to do with you because you've let me down, you've hurt me, you've wounded me, and I cannot forgive you. So I can be the first one here today to respond to any time of prayer. I'll come and stand in the front line and you can pray for me, okay? Because I know exactly what it's like to deal with this area of unforgiveness in our lives. But I, I want to tell you today that, that until you can deal with unforgiveness and bitterness in your life, in your soul, there will be a separation between you and God. There will be. In fact, you will never be able to experience the relationship with your creator that you desire until you can get through this area of unforgiveness and bitterness in your life. So we're going to read a couple of scriptures here 
And we're just going to read from Jesus. I could have gone everywhere. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to stick to Jesus. Amen? I'm just going to let Jesus teach us about it because he talks a lot about it. Matthew chapter 5 on the screen. Make sure you try to stay with me. Thank you, brother. Love you. Look at this. Verse, five, verse 9 says this. Pray like this. Our Father in heaven, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today the food we need. Forgive us our sins as we've forgiven those who sin against us. Don't let us yield to temptation, but rescue us from the evil one. If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive you your sins. So here we see an amazing verse where God is trying to teach the disciples how to have communion and a relationship with him. God is here trying to teach his disciples how do we have a conversation with God? How do we have communion with our Father? How do we have a life-giving relationship? And so he says, listen, I, I want my kingdom to come in your life and I want my, my will to be done in your life and I want to give you bread and I want to forgive you and I want to lead you and I want to deliver you. Like 98% of this entire verse is what God does for us. We see here that these are breakthrough statements, but then on the screen, it says that, that God, Jesus then says that if you, for, I will, you will be forgiven as you've forgiven others, as you have forgiven others. That is literally the only thing about this verse that you and I have to do. He says, I want to give you breakthrough. I want to deliver you. I want to break through in your life. I want to provide for you. I want to lead you. I want my kingdom to come in your life. I want my will to be done in your life. I want to minister to you. I want to break through. I want to give you an intimacy you've never had, a joy you've never had, a peace you've never had. Come on, I want to give you a life change in 2020. He said, but I want you to know that will happen in your life as you forgive those who have offended you. The measure of your forgiveness towards others is the measure by which you will receive this breakthrough in your life. You have this responsibility. The measure of what God does in your life is often determined by the measure by which you are willing to forgive other people. Let's read a verse. In Matthew 18, here's Jesus again, uh, right up with me, guys. Thank you very much again. Matthew 18, verse 15 says this. If a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him. Work it out between the two of you. If he listens, you made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along just so that the presence of witnesses will be kept things honest. Try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church... You'll have to start over from scratch, confront him with the need for repentance, and offer again God's forgiving love. Look what Jesus says. At that point, Peter got up the nerve to ask Jesus, Master, how many times do I forgive my brother or sister who hurts me? Seven? Jesus replied, seven? Hardly. Try 70 times seven. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got underway, one servant was brought before him who had a run-up of debt of $100,000. In our day, that's about a, over a million dollars. And he couldn't pay up, so the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. Oh, that's terrible. The poor wretch himself threw the, himself at the king's feet and begged, Give me a chance and I'll pay it back. Touched by his plea, the king let him off and erased his debt. 
The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him $10, now 10000 He seized him by his throat and demanded, pay up now. And the poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and he put him in jail until the debt was paid. And when the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. The king summoned the man and said, You evil servant, I forgave your entire debt when you begged for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servant who asked for mercy? And the king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. How oh boy. So this is a pretty crazy story. Jesus is being a bit of an exaggerator in this story. He's being a bit of a sensationalist. I mean, if you hear this story, everyone here is probably thinking, of course you're going to forgive the guy's debt. Literally, you, you owed a million dollars. They forgave you. you get, like the next day, you see someone who owes you money. Of course you're going to forgive the debt in light of what just happened in your life. Jesus taught this ridiculous story to help the readers see this and think, of course that is what you're supposed to do. But I have found in my own life, often I am like this servant where I realize that I have experienced the tremendous forgiveness and love and transformation of God and then I turn around and hold it against somebody else. Uh, someone else offends me or says something wrong to me. I hold it in my hand and I am not going to let it go because I deserve better. And really in my heart, I realize I have been forgiven for much. Therefore, I should forgive much. And we have to understand something very serious about this verse. Jesus says it in Matthew 18, 32. Look what he says. That's exactly what my Father in heaven is going to do to each of us. How about he says this again in Matthew 6, 12. And forgive us our sins as we hire verse. The, the little word as. I'll forgive you as much as you forgive those around you. And then he reads this crazy cliff note, this side note, this in Matthew 6, 14 and 15 and says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. You say, what do you mean? God's not going to forgive my sins. I want you to know something here today. God will always forgive your sins. Jesus, his love and his grace is, is endless and unconditional. This isn't saying, even though it feels like it's saying God won't forgive your sins, that's not what it's saying. It's actually saying this. He wants to forgive your sins, but because of unforgiveness in our lives, he can't. We won't allow it. I'm holding on to this, God, but I want to bless you. I don't want to fill you with joy and love. No, no, God, I'm going to hold on to this. Well, son, daughter, I cannot give you my endless provision of generous love until you let go of this thing that you're holding on to. See, this verse here basically is saying this, God, deal with me as I deal with other people. Deal with me as I have dealt with others. It's like, God, you know, maybe you're saying, oh, God, you know, I helped this neighbor out. And I did a favor for the neighbor. And they're super ungrateful. And they're like, they're, you know, I'm angry that they weren't more thankful and they didn't say thank you to me. Now, God, deal with me as I'm dealing with my neighbor. Or it's saying, God, the man hurt me and I'm angry and I can't wait to get even. Deal with me as I have dealt with him. That's what this whole idea of forgiveness is about. Is it how we deal with others? We're saying, okay, God, how I treat other people, God, treat me the same way. That'll change how you treat people, amen? <laughs> uh -huh. 
Each of us holds something and carries something in our lives. And what happens when we carry this in our lives? Hebrews 12, 15 talks about it. It says, look after each other so that none of you fails to receive the grace of God. Watch out that no poisonous root of bitterness grows up to trouble you, corrupting men. You really got to see this verse. I find it very interesting that Paul attached the idea of failing to receive the grace of God with the poisonous root of bitterness. Watch out, he says. Be careful, because when bitterness grows up in you, you might fail to receive the grace of God for your life. You might fail to miss it and the provision of God in your life. You just might miss what God has for your life. You might just miss it. This idea of bitterness here is the idea of being twisted. It's this phrase, this twisted, it's out of order, it's, it's disappointment and resentment and, and it's this lack of sweetness and this sharpness to our taste. And when you and I get out of sync, our soul starts to get a little bit bitter and this bitter, that word poison there actually means like an ink stain. And he says, be careful that you'll get ink stains on other people. You'll stain other people with this. I want to just give you some, maybe some signs to identify maybe a little bit of, a, of, of somebody who's dealing with a, a bitter heart. Evidence of a bitter heart is you justify treating people harshly. That you see, you treat someone poorly and you think, well, they deserve it. Or maybe you feel entitled. They owe me. I want you to know, not a person in this room owes me an apology. I've learned this about my life. I am unoffendable. You want to know why I'm unoffendable? Because Jesus took it all on the cross for me. I have no right to hold this offense. You don't have to apologize to me. The only one that I'm indebted to is Jesus. Maybe, maybe the, the evidence of a bitter heart is you feel sorry for yourself. The world's crashing in on me and nothing's ever gone my way and this person treated me badly and this thing and it's all real, I get it, but maybe this is evidence of that. Maybe they rehearse the past, you get around them and they talk about, you know, the pleasantries of life and whatever, they get past kind of the common, hey, how's it going? And then you know without a shadow of a doubt they're going to go right back into that story about that person that hurt them so long ago or that church, I can't believe that church did that to me and they go right back into it. They seem to rehearse the past or maybe the worst of all, they drive away people that they need the most most in their lives because they're angry and bitter. They say, I don't want the people on my life that I know I need in my life because they're going to point their finger in areas of my heart I know I need to give up. Why is it so hard to forgive others? Why is it so challenging? Maybe you have a wrong idea of forgiveness. Maybe you think here today that forgiveness is like a conditional contract. That, okay, if they do this, this, and this, then I'm going to forgive them. No, it's unconditional. It's just, I forgive you with no conditions attached. Maybe you think that forgiveness is minimizing the offense. If I forgive them, it's going to give them permission to have abused me and they can't get off the hook that easily. No way. Maybe you feel like forgiveness is forgetting what's happened. This saying, you know, forgive and forget. That's not true. How many of you know that you can forgive, but how many know you just don't forget? I want you to know that's not a biblical statement, forgive and forget. And if anyone ever said it to you, look them right in the eyes and say, I'll never forget, but I will forgive. Maybe you feel like when you forgive forgiveness, you're supposed to forget about it. No, no, no. Maybe you feel like forgiveness is, is retaliation. Maybe you feel like forgiveness is like, okay, if I forgive them, I trust them. Trust me, you won't trust them for a long time. It takes time to rebuild that trust. Someone's abused you, you can forgive them, but you sure shouldn't trust them. 
you've been abused as a child and they, you're, maybe it's a, a uncle or friend or family member and they want to come hang out with your children, you shouldn't be letting them do that. You shouldn't trust them to do that, but you can forgive them. You slowly set boundaries in your life. For, maybe you think forgiveness is reconciliation. Well, if I, if I get forgiveness, does it mean I'm going to be their best friend anymore? Oh no, trust me, your friendship has changed, but at least you can forgive them. See, maybe we, we, maybe we don't think it's fair. They don't deserve it. Why would they deserve forgiveness from me? I want you to know that the, the only thing that unforgiveness does is torture you, not them. We think that we're getting back at the other person when you're seething over the thing they did to you. I want you to know here today, they are not being tortured. You are. And when you forgive, guess what? You get freedom. Nothing changes in their life. Nothing benefits them when you forgive them. They don't get a new lease on life when you forgive them. You get set free. Yes. Yes. So good. The issue, this person, I forgive you. Do I trust you? No. Do I want to spend time with you on the weekends? Heck no. <laughs> but do I love you? Do I like you? No. Do I love you? Yes. <laughs> Do I forgive you? Yes. I forgive you. Right? I forgive you. Whether it's fair or not. Because I ain't going to be tortured anymore by what's going on in my brain when you're off having a cheeseburger having a good old time. And I feel like if I forgive you, you're just going to be off, let off the hook. Trust me, between Jesus and you, listen to me, you are going to experience tremendous joy. You will be set free from the torture that you've been going through. That person's just going to keep doing their thing and living life. You get to be set free. Amen. Lastly, we don't think we can do it. The Bible says in John 8, 36, if the Son has set you free, you will be free indeed. You think, oh, there's no way I can forgive this person. I want you to know today, God can do it. He did it in my life. Uh, you know my story. I got my own stories about people who have wounded me and offended me, and I'm not going to tell it today because I've told it many times, and I will another time. But listen, the Holy Spirit came in a room at one moment when I was the most angriest and the most bitter at God, the most bitterest at people. This, this is crazy. This was only like seven or eight years ago, so now I am pastor in a church. That's pretty good news, huh? I sat in a room and the Holy Spirit came in and I was cursing. I was saying the bad words that you shouldn't say, but I know you do. It's okay. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> the bad words no one should say and thinking things I should never do and angry and frustrated and upset. And the Holy Spirit came in the room and when the sun sets you free, he sets you free indeed. So ultimately, forgiveness is not about your emotions. Forgiveness is about obedience to the Father. It's, it's an act of your will. You say, well, I don't feel it. It's not about your soul. It's about your spirit. And you have to make a personal decision. Look at this in Colossians 3, verse 13. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you, everyone say, must. You must forgive others. This isn't a matter of whether or not you feel they deserve it or whether or not their life is, your life is better now or whether or not you've been healed or whether or not things are good. This is simply about an obedience to your Father because the longer you and I hold this disobedience in our lives to not forgive them, the longer you will experience a chasm between you and the Father. You might go to church, you might give your money, you might read your Bible every now and then and you look the part, but deep in your, in your soul, you're festering with a anger and a frustration towards somebody that hurts you. You are being held hostage by an abuse 
abuser when you get to be set free because that's what God promises for your life. You get to be set free from this cage and bondage and prison you've been in. But it's a matter of obedience. So how can we do this? Very simply, you have to accept that Jesus took every offense on the cross. And I'm not minimizing your pain and I don't want to minimize what happened to you. Trust me, I don't want to do that. I'm not saying it's not a big deal. But the abuse, the pastor that hurt you, the church that offended you, that sister or brother that abused you when you were a kid, whatever it might be in your life, the boss who fired you or didn't give you that promotion or the mother-in-law who just constantly berates you because she doesn't think you're a very good, uh, very good son-in-law. I don't have any experience with that at all. I'm just kidding. My mother-in-law loves me and I love you. <laughs> she makes me free food. I better be careful. She's going to poison it or something. You have to accept the fact that Jesus Christ took every ounce of it on the cross. Look at this verse. Isaiah 53. Yet it was our grief he bore, our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins, but he was actually wounded and bruised for our sins. He was beaten that we might have peace, and he was lashed and we were healed. We, every one of us, have strayed away like sheep. And we, who left God's past to follow our own, yet God laid on him the guilt and sins of every one of us. He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he never said a word. He brought a, as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before he, he, her shears is dumb. So he stood silent before the ones condemning him. From prison and trial, they led him away to his death. But whom, um, uh, who among the people of the day realized it was their sins that he was dying for? For, the, for, the, for he was suffering their punishment. He was buried like a criminal in a rich man's grave, but he had done no wrong and he never spoke an evil word. You need to know today that no matter what you've experienced in your life, Jesus took it on the cross. If you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ, we have no longer permission to carry a burden that was nailed to the cross of Jesus Christ. You are carrying a burden. You are carrying a weight. You are carrying something that is actually causing internal struggle in your soul that will actually manifest itself in your physical body. Your life will be lived through this pain when Jesus took it on the cross once and for all. So what do we have to do is we have to accept the fact that Jesus took it on the cross and secondly, we have to do this. Very simply, I know this is hard, we have to repent. This is what I learned through my journey of forgiveness. I couldn't just forgive the person. I had to ask for forgiveness for holding on to it for so long. I was sinning. I was being disobedient to God. And so I had to turn around. And what happens in your life is that you have conviction from the Holy Spirit today and you repent of that sin in your life. And guess what happens? You have reconciliation between you and God and there's restoration in your walk with Him. And now you're experiencing tremendous life freedom. You experience everything God intended for you, the relationship you've been desiring, the break that you've been wanting in your marriage and in your life, all because you simply accepted the fact that Jesus already took this on the cross and I turn my life around God and say, okay, Jesus, I don't want to carry this anymore. Forgive me for trying. Look what it says in Romans 2, 4. Look at this verse. Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that his kindness is intended to turn you, repent you from your sins? He loves you and he died for you and he gave his life for you, not just because he enjoyed being murdered for no reason. 
He did it because he wanted to take the tragedy and the pain and the difficulty that you've been carrying and living your marriage out of your marriage and your children. That's why you keep getting so angry at your kids and that's why you and your wife are fighting and that's why finances are in order and that's why you can't seem to keep a friend because everyone's against me and this life is terrible. I want you to know that Jesus can set you free and give you joy, the fullness, joy and peace and love. You get to be set free in 2020 all because you said, okay, Jesus, I'm just going to accept this free gift from you and I'm just going to turn my life around. And guess what happens next? Now, every relationship, you can look your accuser, your, your, the person who harmed you in the eyes and you view them through the lens of the cross. You see them through that bloody cross and you say, okay, I don't have the right anymore to go around this. I got to go through it. So when I look at you, all I see is the blood of Jesus. All I see is the forgiveness of God. All I see is the love of God. All I see is the grace of God. All I see is the fact that you are a wounded, broken person just like me. And that, yes, I don't trust you all the time. And yes, I don't like you sometimes. But I love you unconditionally. I forgive you unconditionally. And guess what? I don't even have to be your friend anymore. We don't have to be in a relationship. That's okay. But I release it to God today that I might experience the tremendous life freedom that God intended for me. Amen. I want to end on a story here this morning as I end our time together. There's a, a story in 1 Samuel chapter 24. It's a story about a man named David. David was a young boy, the Bible says, was a man after God's own heart. And this young man loved the Lord. He pursued God. And God told him that he was going to be the king of Israel. Now, a man named Saul was like a spiritual dad to him, like a, a natural father to him. It was like a great employer, a great boss, somebody he looked up to. And Saul got super jealous because David was going to be the king. And so now Saul, for no reason, started trying to kill David, throwing spears at him and talking bad about him and trying to set him up for failure and trying to murder him, trying to kill him. I mean, that's the worst of the worst. Have you ever had someone try to throw a spear at you? Maybe with their words. You've experienced someone chasing after you and coming after you and attacking you. David, this whole journey, he'd been attacked for no reason at all. David was just trying to honor God and yet somehow Saul had it out for him. So there was a story in 1 Samuel 24 and David had now left the, the, the house where, his, where he lived with Saul and he was running away from Saul and there was about 300 men or so who found in their heart to follow David and be with him and they had wives and kids and so it was about you know maybe three five six hundred people who were kind of the the, the the followers of David or not followers but just partnered with David and they were journeying together and David found out that Saul was coming after him and so imagine for a moment Saul is over here trying to find David and David's over here in En Gedi which was a bunch of caves and the way to get into these caves you could kind of sneak around the back and in, in them were oasises and so often different soldiers would go into these caves to get a drink of water. So all of these men, these 300 men, along with David, climbing into this cave, and they're sitting inside of this cave, and they're back there, and they're laughing, and they're talking, and they're enjoying life. And all of a sudden, of all the hundreds of caves in En Gedi, that day, a man named Saul just happened to choose that cave to go pee in. <laughs> walked in the cave and King Saul decided that he wanted to go to the bathroom right there. So here's King Saul. 
he walks into the middle of this cave and he turns around and sorry you're going to pretend like you're peeing for a minute my bad just didn't really play out in the illustration no you don't have to pretend like you're peeing and when Saul walked into the room David's mighty men turned to David and said this this is the moment God is delivering Saul into your hands. This is your moment. I want you to go and kill him, David. This is the moment. See, this is what happens. When you get on a track for God and you start going for God and get your life in the right spiritual order, the devil wants to come and whisper into your ear, oh yeah, this is the moment. Go back. Talk bad about him. Come on. Spread rumors about him. Come on. Be angry at him. Come on. Be, be frustrated at him again. The devil wants to keep you back as long as he can because he knows the moment you see breakthrough in your life your relationship with Jesus will be restored like never before and here's these David's mighty men whispering in his ear go go ahead go kill Saul come on David go kill him so David it says in the verse on the screen in verse 4 then David crept up behind unnoticed and cut off corner of his robe. Now this is like ninja style David. David's like the master like master like you know warrior. So he's like you know sneaking up behind him. Comes up and he snips off a corner. See if I can do this. Corner of his robe. Man that's a long that's a long pee. of the corner of his robe because I'm going to keep this and prove to them I have my chance to take my vengeance on you. And it says in the scripture that David was convicted immediately and he turned to his mighty men and he rebuked them. The scripture says, he goes, no, I will never take the life of the Lord's anointed. And the Bible says on the next verse on the screen that Saul walked out of the cave and David had to make a decision that you and I have to make today. David had to choose to come out of the cave of unforgiveness and surrender the corner of the robe. It says in the verse that David walked out and he said, Lord, my king Saul. Saul turns around. Remember, Saul's trying to kill David. I mean, at this moment, Saul has his sword drawn, ready to take David's life. Nothing's changed in Saul's situation. But David the Holy Spirit got a hold of him. He was convicted. He, he repented. He said, okay, God. And the scripture says that he went out and he laid prostrate on the floor of this face like this before, his, before Saul. And he said, Saul, my king, I'm so sorry. Please forgive me. See, you have to lay yourself humbly before your accuser and say, I'm going to give up the corner of his robe because I want to be free from this bondage in my life. And he threw it down before Saul. And that day, Saul and David made a treaty they didn't make it right Saul kept trying to kill him but that day David went from being chased to getting into the kingship that was the transition moment for David 
You might be here today and you're holding on to this corner of his robe, this dad who abused you when you were a kid. It's not right. I'm telling you today, it's wrong. A pastor who abused you and he prophesied over you things you never should have said. That wife who divorced you or cheated on you or that person at school who is rude to you. Every one of us in this room has the right to keep this corner of this robe in our hand. But Jesus comes today and he says, listen, can I have that robe from you? I've already, I've already taken this on the cross. It's already been nailed up on the cross. All these little robe pieces. Imagine for a moment sitting across the wooden cross. He's already forgiven you. He's already forgiven them. He wants to bring breakthrough in your life today. And Jesus, he's died on a cross. I think sometimes he looks at me, says, Ryan, buddy, I took all that. Why are you carrying it? I want you to hear me today. This is why you're angry. This is why you're not fulfilled. This is why you can't break through in your life. This is why, because we hold on to what people or God has done to us, and we say, I am never letting go. Come on today. Let's just let go. Would you close your eyes for me? I'm going to keep you seated for a minute as I ask this first question, and then I'm going to ask another question in a minute. Come on, I can't see you, actually, because these lights... <laughs> So you're okay. You're safe in a dark room. <laughs> Every eye closed. Come on. And let's just for a moment out of respect for everybody else because this is a vulnerable moment. I believe strongly with all my heart as I was preparing for this message that today was a day of freedom. Today was a day where some of you were going to see freedom in your life. Come on. You're in the room today. You say, Ryan, I'm holding on to my abuser's his cloak. I'm holding on to the corner of his robe. And today I'm going to raise my hand as an act of faith that I'm ready to let go today. Come on, with every eye closed, I want to create a space of faith response. A moment where you can respond in faith by, by just a gesture of a hand. No one's looking around. I just want to see who I'm praying for today. But come on, would you just put your hand in the air if you say, that's me. Come on, there's so many hands across this room. My goodness, almost the whole room, hallelujah. <laughs> Come on, Father, right now. Lord, I pray firstly, Lord, that every person who raised their hand today in faith would know that, God, you saw that hand. Like, as cliche as that sounds, Jesus, you saw them respond by faith. And Philippians 2.13 says that, God, you are working giving us the desire and the power to do what pleases you. This means this, even when we don't feel it, even when we don't see it, even when we don't, we don't know what's happening, God, you are working in our lives. And right now, I pray for every hand lifted in this place, God, the 10, 20 hands that went across this place today. I pray right now, firstly, Lord, that they would accept your forgiveness and your love, that today they would repent of their sin, and that, Jesus, they would turn to you and that today they would experience tremendous transformation in their lives, oh God. Come on, just for a minute. Just sit here for a moment. I just believe the Holy Spirit wants to speak to some of your hearts. I know how difficult this is today. But in a moment, he can bring life change. Lord, I just pray for those in the room that have been so wounded and hurt. 
those in the room, Father, who feel like today they just feel so broken. I just pray, Holy Spirit, that you would come and mend their wounds right now. Holy Spirit, you would come and pour your, your, your loving arms around them, God, today, and that you would love them and you would fill every gap and every area, God, in their life with your overwhelming love, Lord Jesus. Come on, the Holy Spirit's working in some lives right now. Just for a few more moments, would you keep your eyes closed? ask one more question. If you're in the place today and you say, Ryan, I, I, I don't know Jesus. I'm not a follower of Christ. I'm not really a go to church. Or maybe you did a long time ago and you're far from God today. You say, man, I would just like to start a new journey with him. I'd like to make a dedication of my life to serve him just like Kendra did today. You're here today and you say, Ryan, I want to give my life to the Lord. I'm going to count to three. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to point you out. I just want to pray for you just to have the church pray for you. That's you today. And you say, Ryan, I'd like to give my life to Jesus. I'd like to go on this journey today. I don't have all the answers. I don't have it all figured out. But I like what you're saying today. And I want to start a journey with my creator, Jesus. Come on right now on the count of three. Don't be afraid. One, come on, it's okay. This is your moment today. You came to church just for this moment right here. Two, come on, I won't pull you forward. I won't embarrass you. Come on, one, two, three. Come on, go ahead and put your hand in the air. Anybody in the room today? Come on, I want to accept Jesus Christ into their life. Church, would you stand to your feet with me this morning? Come on, let's just pray this prayer and then we're going to sing one last song. Come on, repeat after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today needing a relationship with you. Come on, let me hear you real loud. Will you please forgive me of every area of my life that does not please you? I give my life to you today and I want to start a journey with you. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.